Welcome to Massive Late Fee, and now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone, welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark, with me as always is my super hot girlfriend, Carol. How you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much, it's been a good week here at Massive Late Fee. It's our last episode before Thanksgiving. Is it really? Yes, it's because it is. Did I say it's November 23rd, 1996? It just seems like Thanksgiving should be further away. Thanksgiving, about five days from now. Gobble, gobble, gobble. So what are you looking most forward to with Thanksgiving? That's a very good question. Am I looking forward to, and the Lions aren't having the best season in the world this year, so. Sorry to talk about sports, everyone. I know I know you guys hate when I talk about sports and politics. No, I hate when you talk about sports. <laughs> but I would say what I'm looking forward to the most is spending time with family. Aww. And stuffing. <laughs> I am looking forward to your macaroni and cheese. I am making macaroni and cheese. He makes the best macaroni and cheese. I have quite a macaroni and cheese recipe. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it is good. It rivals, I don't know, what's a famous macaroni and cheese? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know either. I can't say Kraft because like, that's the most basic macaroni and cheese ever. Yeah, it's way better than Kraft. But it rivals Paul Prudhoe. Sure. <laughs> I assume he makes some macaroni and cheese. You know what else is very filling? Uh, I'm afraid to ask. Gasoline in your car when you fill up your tank. Okay. And gasoline prices are floating up. Sure. On oil demand, it says. So right now, the average cost of, of gas statewide is $1.28 a gallon. We're creeping up to close to a dollar fifty. No good. No good at all. That is just crazy. I'm telling you what, I'll never pay a dollar fifty a gallon for gas. So what are you gonna do? Walk? Take the bus? What? I'm not paying it. Like (laughs) I guess they they do kind of have it have us by the short and curly hair, so especially here in the Detroit area, we have no real mass transit. Right. But they've got a they've got a the average from 1990 to 96 here. So in 1990, we were going through a bit of a, a economic uh, crisis, if everyone remembers. It was $1.38 statewide, so more than it is now. But then $1.13 in 91, $1.12 in 92, $1.05 in 93, $1.12 in 94, $1.07 in 95, and now we're up to $1.28. Wow. No good. Oh, well. Fall is here, and that usually means things come down. <laughs> the leaves have fallen. The mercury, too. By now, gas prices should have fallen, but they haven't. But it doesn't mean that they usually fall down because the holidays are coming, and people are traveling, and they hike up gas prices right oh, before the holiday. no place like home for the holidays. Yeah, but it's not... Uh, it's not uh, price fixing or anything like that. They're not. It's not collusion. Don't worry. No, of course not. Don't worry, everybody. The gas. The gasoline companies would never fuck people over. Ah, <laughs> uh, how about this? It's critically acclaimed, Carol, but generally ignored. What? It's not that Paul. It's not that Paul Sims. Wait, what the fuck? 
It's not that Paul Sims minds the glowing reviews for news radio. News radio. I know you love news radio. He adores them, but he also would enjoy some glowing bit. What? What? Bit kissed Nielsen ratings. I don't know what that means. Hit kissed, maybe? Nielsen ratings? It's hard to read this. Anyway, they want better ratings. <laughs> They're a critical darling. Everyone, all the critics love the show, but people are like, I'd rather watch Tim Allen go. Ruff, 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 ruff. Right? Or, you know, there Al Bundy put his hand on his pants. Sure. Exactly. The pablum of the, the plebes in society. What a world we live in. No, you guys are cool. Uh, everyone that everyone that listens to our show is cool. Of course, I'm sure you guys you have taste. I'm sure you guys all love news radio. It's Phil Hartman, man. It's fine. Oh, fuck. <laughs> See, you're the problem. Uh, you thanks. are the problem. You're the problem. I love news radio. And when you hit your knees tonight, <gasps> tell God to love it too. Wow. What? That was almost dirty. Well, speaking of... Oh, wow. That's not where I was going. But, uh, speaking of hit TV shows, though, the Larry Sanders show. Are you familiar? No. Gary Shandling. I love Gary Shandling because I used to watch with my sister the Gary Shandling show. This is the theme to Gary show. The opening theme to Gary show. Anyway, it was <laughs> it was a good show. It was like Seinfeld before Seinfeld. Seinfeld wouldn't exist without Gary Shandling's show. Okay. That's what I think. Like his mother would never have gotten pregnant? Correct. Okay. Now we've got, she was she got pregnant watching the, the, the Gary Shandling show. Of course, show. of course. Despite the fact that Jerry Seinfeld was born several years before the Gary Shandling show. But he's got a new show. The Larry Sanders show on HBO, where he plays a, a talk show host. He's like, he's like a weird, slimy Johnny Carson. Okay. Uh, the Larry Sanders show, Gary Shandling, can start to sound like Ringo Starr. It doesn't come easy. I don't know what that means. I think this is Mike Duffy. So it's you know. more dirtiness. I think the struggle for this show now is to maintain the quality and spontaneity, Shanling says. It's to figure out how to surprise the viewers after 70 episodes. It's really a challenge and a relative impossibility. But I enjoy... I know you've never you've never seen it, I don't think, right? No. You're cableless, so... <laughs> and you don't usually come over and watch it when, when I'm watching it. But. We have better things to do when I come over. <laughs> That's true. But speaking of better things to to do, how about better things to school? Virtual schools. What? Michigan districts become accessible through internet sites. No. He's not yet old enough to drive a car, but Alex Machikwak <laughs> negotiates the information superhighway like an indie racer. After most students have gone home on a recent Wednesday, the Gross Point South High School sophomore typed line after line of what looked like gibberish into a school computer. Then, with the click of a mouse, the programming language disappeared and the screen was transformed to the computer equivalent of a glossy magazine. Welcome to the Gross Point South High School scrolled across the bottom of the screen. From this homepage, visitors can click on eight icons for topics ranging from community information to alumni. 
Part, okay. part billboard, part yellow pages. The Gross Point South page joins a growing body of school sites on the Internet's World Wide Web. More than 50 Michigan schools and school districts have homes in cyberspace, many of them in the last three months. What do you think? What do you think about schools going online? I think that it's unnecessary and a waste of time and resources. Yeah, what are they going to put on there? Who who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean, like, they send home whatever they need to know. Yeah. With ex- the kid. Exactly. Like, I don't, I don't understand why... Yeah, I don't understand. What's the point? I mean, what are kids going to go, uh, like, look at their school website after school? No. No. They want to go hang out with their friends at the mall. Come on. Exactly. And we're not looking at them because we don't give a shit about anyone in school. Yeah, we don't have uh, kids and we are not in school, so. I guess maybe parents would, but for what? Like, what are they going to put on there? I don't know. This is something about alumni. Like, what high schools don't have alumni, really. <laughs> high school alumni. <laughs> The big high school alumni, I uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand the point of it in any way, but you know, that's they're gonna do what they're gonna do. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's cool that they can do it. Whatever. I'm gonna go on a chat site. I'm gonna go to thebookofjob.com, like from uh, fucking Mission Impossible. Remember? Yeah. But something that is of interest: all systems go, Carol. The video game giants are slugging it out this for your holiday dollars. Uh-oh. Which whiz bang is worth your buck? What? Which whiz bag? Whiz bang. Whiz bang. Yeah. I don't understand. This is written by Mike Floyd. Mike Floyd's new to us. He's the game guy. The I don't like him so far. The Detroit Free Press has hired a... Well, look at his picture. He's a youngin'. Uh, they... Is he in high school? The Detroit, maybe. The Detroit Free Press has hired a, a columnist that is just the game guy. So good for you, good for you Mike Floyd. Uh, so it's, it's the PlayStation, the Sony PlayStation, versus the Sega Saturn, which, whatever, versus the Nintendo 64. Where do you fall in this? I, I honestly, so I have both the PlayStation and the Nintendo 64. Spoiled. And I, um, I gotta say, I, I really like the PlayStation. Yeah, I like the PlayStation. That's what I have. I don't have, you know, multiple gaming systems like some people. So. <laughs> With the holidays looming, the big three of the multi-billion dollar home video game industry are locked in the biggest battle in video game history. Now, for 199 you can have the Nintendo 64, Sega Saturn, or Sony PlayStation. Saturn debuted May 1995, 64, September. But this is the first holiday season. They've all been available. Well, I guess we'll see who sells more. Well, I mean, you've played the Nintendo 64 because you've played mine, and you've played Mario 64. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's, you know, it's 360 to 60 degrees of, of gaming experience. It's kind of nice. I still uh, prefer, you know, Super Mario Brothers and uh, Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah. Those well, are my favorite. Here's the thing. There's a there's a Legend of Zelda game uh-huh. that's on the Nintendo 64 that is awesome. Yeah. One of the best. Mm. And I heard that... Uh, the, there's a James Bond game they're either coming out with or it just came out with based on the that movie that we did. 
Uh, and that's supposed to be good. I haven't played it yet, but we'll, we'll see how that. I don't know. They're they're, you know, whatever. But the PlayStation's got some good stuff going on. It's it's and the PlayStation's well is because it's discs, mm-hmm. so they can have more of the video s- style thing. Like I don't know if you remember the Sega CD. No. So the Sega CD is like a a. a add-on to the Sega Genesis system. Right. And they had different games. They had this one game, I think it was called Night Trap or something like that. Okay. It was a, a group of girls were having a slumber party and someone was trying to break in and you had to like, there were cameras in each room and you had to monitor different rooms and then set traps for the guy that was trying to get the girls. What a game. And it was live action. It okay. was like actual video. Weird. Right. And, well, no, it was cool. And because they're all in their underwear and stuff. Oh, okay. And um, <laughs> that's the, the that, plot thickens. That's what the CD things can do, right? So I anticipate that the PlayStation will have more of those kind of games. Hmm. More like a mixture of movie and a video game. Okay. And Half Naked Girl. Because that's what's going to sell it. Half naked girls? Yeah, don't you think? Unfortunately, that seems to be the uh, consensus because that's what, you know, big big boobed uh, half naked women in video games seems to be the thing. Pretty soon they're going to fetishize uh, Princess Peach and uh, (laughs) put her in some kind of skimpy thing. Wow, yeah, that's going to happen, I'm sure. I, I saw... Some things, okay? You saw some like, things. What are you talking about? Like, somebody made a porn of the Smurfs, where Smurfette had to please all these Smurfs. Holy shit. Right? It was pretty, like, scarring and traumatizing. But Awful. I am sure there I is all... I hope your kids aren't listening to this episode, everybody. <laughs> but I'm sure that out there in the world, there is porn that contains Princess Peach. I would. I don't think so. And Mario, and maybe Bowser, and Luigi. Eh, he can watch Bowser. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my. Anyway, so. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Bowser is, is too big. Oh um, Jesus! Anyway, so. <laughs> This week, we watched a nice family-friendly movie where they fetishized... Uh, androids. Androids and, what's her name? Deanna Troy. Did they? Not really, no. Okay. She was fine. <laughs> they fetishized her in the show a lot of times. She wore that low-cut... She was the only one yeah. in that... Like, she was wearing, like, pajamas, and it was, like, that low-cut top until I think finally she got enough power from being on the show long enough where she was able to be like can you put me in a real fucking uniform please like everyone else well i mean she was the counselor not like crew so i think that might have had something to do with her having a different outfit i think the doctor i think her boobs had something to do with her having a different outfit the doctor wore the same outfit as crew so yeah Yeah. well i'm just saying like for a long time they had her in that thing yeah until they finally you know, show it to, like, so yeah, enlightened future. <laughs> right. Anyway, but so we watched Star Trek First Contact. 
It was all about the Borg. Yeah, finally. So the Borg obviously are the most famous villains in Star Trek, the, the next generation's history. You think? Oh yeah, for sure. That's their big. That's their big bad, right? I thought like I don't know the collective or whatever. What's that? The Q. Oh, the Q collective. Yeah. Uh, I see. Q's not really a villain, though. I think he is. Q goes through. Q goes through several different kind of like iterations. He starts off as more of like an antagonist, and then he becomes kind of like a trickster, almost like Loki. And then like Loki, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but Loki is uh, the trickster god of um, Norse mythology. Okay. He's, I think, I want to say he's Thor's like half brother or full brother or adopted brother or something. But he's, Loki's like the trickster god. And there's a character that because Marvel Comics does like uh, a lot of the Norse mythology things, like they have a Thor and they have a Loki there too. But And uh, that movie, The Mask, we saw, uh-huh. supposedly in the cartoon version of that, or not the cartoon, the um, comic, book, comic version? book version of it that the movie's based on, Loki enchants that mask. Okay. Like, that's why it has the, that's why it's all wacky and stuff like that. I should have known that we would go down this path. I mean, we're, we're talking Star Trek. We've opened the geeky door, and now we're talking about comic books. No, I know. This How is, many steps was it to this get there? Is, this is where I, I get super geeky. Right. But he, so he goes through that iteration, and then towards the end, he becomes like, like almost like a guide for, like he really ends up liking Picard and stuff like that. Yeah. In the final episode, um, All Good Things... He, uh, you know, he shows him how to save humanity and all that stuff. So cool. So I don't really look at him as a villain necessarily. Okay, so the Borg. John Delancey is is awesome. So the Borg is the big bad. And speaking of Q, Q is the one that shows them the Borg. Oh yeah. <laughs> at first, and I can't remember the name of the episode. I remember the episode, the Neutral Zone. They they saw the colony that had all the. The rips in the the surface that the the Borg just like scooped people out. Yeah, but they didn't know it was the Borg at the time. And then I think it's called I don't maybe it's Hayden Q or Q Who or the they like every every episode he was in had some <laughs> like pun name right. Okay, so it was one of those. I think it was Q Who maybe uh, where he came in and he was like, "Hey, I want to." The collective kicked me out. I want to join the crew. And they're all like, no, you're too dangerous. You're too. He's like, oh, you need me for the stuff you're going to come up, you know, come against. And they're like, yeah, we we can handle it. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he snaps his fingers (laughs) and sends them like 10,000 light years or whatever away from from Earth. And then they end up encountering the Borg. Wow. And they only survive because he intervenes. (laughs) Because Q saves them from the Borg. Okay, so he's not a villain. He just likes to play with them. And then, yeah, exactly. And then in the best of both worlds. uh... (laughs) We will talk about the movie eventually, I promise. And then in the best of both worlds, that's when Picard gets turned into Locutus because he gets captured by the Borg. Yes. It's a good episode. Yeah. And so for, I think, people were very excited that the Borg, 
was going to be the villain of this film. Because, you know, it's the, like, what Picard, Picard has a person, this is the, this is the villain that Picard has a personal, like, attachment to, you know what well, I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, they did some stuff to him. And then they kind of ruined the Borg <laughs> in this movie. A little bit. Okay. The Borg Queen, as she's credited, they don't actually ever call her that in the movie, but in the credits, it says Borg Queen. Right. Played by Alice Kriege. She seems awfully horny for an android. Oh, holy shit she is. It's really gross. She's gross. She wants to fuck Data. She does fuck Data. Do they? Oh, yeah, that's right. They have sex. I, they I assume. Away. I mean. They cut away, but. Which really bothers me. That he fucked her? Well, especially because he was just playing along. Yeah. So. He thought about it for 0.687 seconds or whatever he says. <laughs> maybe that's how long it took to have sex. Right, maybe that's how long it took for an <laughs> orgasm. But afterwards he was like, wait, I have clarity now because I've... You know. <laughs> right. But, yeah, uh, the whole point of the Borg is that a single leader can make mistakes that the whole won't. Mm-hmm. That the collective... like. And they're harder to defeat because it's a collective. It's, you know, like there's no singular head to take out. Mm-hmm. And then they and then they ruin it by creating a singular head. Interesting. And she was like, oh, I was there the whole time. You remember. And it's like, then they, they're trying to retcon the, the best of both worlds uh, episode and everything. And it's like she was not there in that episode. So there was never a Borg Queen till this movie? Correct. Interesting. I didn't really realize that. Yeah. And what this, to me, what this smacks of, this smacks of some fucking executive <laughs> seeing the movie and being like, mm, you need a you need a, a singular villain, though. You need, <laughs> This movie needs a villain to, uh, you know, to... Because, th- take her out of the movie. Uh-huh. Take her out of the movie, take the whole thing with Date out of the movie, and all of it works. All of it works, and it's better. This is a good movie. I liked this movie. I don't know how you felt about the movie. I liked it. But I liked the movie. But take her out, and this movie flows better. It, it is better. Hmm. I like... There are two plots going on in this movie, and I like both of them. One is First Contact. Basically, the, the story of how humanity got ushered into this larger world, okay. right? And this Zephram Cochran, played by the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hoggett, was that his name? From Babe? Yeah. He was the dude yeah. from Babe. Yes. Uh, James, I can't think of his name now. I can't remember his name. But his character's name was Zephram Cochran. But anyway, so James Cromwell, that's his name. He's very good in this movie. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's like... It's the story of like their hero worship, you know, and everything. The the myth of the man versus the actual man, and it's reminds me a little of seventeen seventy six, that movie about the um, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And do, you, everything. do you really think other people have watched that movie besides you? Yes, I do. It's <laughs> it's Ken Howard's Greatest Hour. He made me watch it. Anyway, so it's a good movie. That dude that plays Mr. Feeney's in it. <laughs> William yep. Daniels. Anyway. Yes, okay. 
So, it's the, that kind of story. The myth versus the man. Mm-hmm. And it's a good story. You know, they got to fix this thing that, that uh, is supposed to happen, right? The other plot is a horror movie. <laughs> right. It's Star Trek as a horror film. It's shot like a horror movie. It's constructed like a horror movie. And it's really good. It's a really good horror movie because the Borg are like fucking swarming the ship. Yeah. Like there's that scene where they're like, it's towards the beginning and they first aborted the ship and, Mm -hmm. you know, the one guy gets got (laughs) and then the other lady goes in and she screams. It was just like a horror movie scene. Exactly. And the whole, the, like... The way it's like point of view shot and it's very dim lighting and there's almost like smoke coming across the screen, like fog. And there's a lot of... So Jonathan Frakes directed this and I I don't know if he directed a lot before. I didn't really look into it, but he does a really good job in this movie. There's a lot of like Dutch angles uh, to kind of convey things are a little off kilter, not Mm -hmm. quite... You know, you don't quite have your bearings. The camera takes a lot of like uh um almost uh, ethereal type movement uh, and everything it's really good yeah the, the, the camera work cinematography is really good in this movie but i like that plot i like the whole one thing i think is funny is they they bring everybody in right so they've got robert picardo who's on star trek voyager as the a medical officer or whatever he's a emergency medical officer mm-hmm. but he's a hologram so he's essentially on every ship so it, I mean, it makes sense but they were like gotta bring him in and then they bring Warfin, who's on deep space nine and he obviously he was originally on the show but they they like kind of they make it so that he they make it so that <laughs> he can be in the show because or in the movie because he's on the defiance benjamin Sisko's ship which i think uh-huh. is funny the borg are all like um Hey, uh, we're gonna attack Earth now. Uh, what about what about Cisco? What about uh, <laughs> Captain Cisco or Commander Cisco or whatever? He's uh, he's off world right now. <laughs> like, uh, dude's like, you sure? You know, you sure he's not here? Because <laughs> then they, you know, they they feel safe to attack because he's not there. Right. But anyway, so they he's commanding the Defiance, and I think it's so funny. Too. <laughs> he's just like, could you imagine being the crew as Worf is commanding the ship? Because they're in this battle with the Borg, and he just goes, perhaps today is a good day to die. <laughs> imagine being a crew, like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? And then he goes, prepare for ramming speed. He's just going to, they can't destroy it, so we're just going to hit one ship into the other. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> he is definitely a loose cannon. That guy that's at the helm. Oh, it's almost comedic in his performance. It's hilarious. Maybe he'd be a good comedian one day. But uh, he's like, because he goes prepare for ramming speed. And he's like, uh, hey, there's another ship coming in. <laughs> and then Forrest just like, uh, and he pauses. He's like, then you can see like the relief on his face because I think he was just bullshitting. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, it's the Enterprise. Maybe we'll be okay. <laughs> And then they get beamed out, so they're all right. And then they say the Defiant's going to be okay, so it can still be in Deep Space Nine. Um, but yeah, so I think it was funny how they had to, they they, had to, they bridged all the shows. Like right. all, they had a little bit of each of the shows in there. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know because I haven't watched like all the shows. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I I really enjoyed the movie. I liked a lot of the the way it was structured. I think 
I think this is a really well-written script from top to bottom. I think it everything melded really well together. And both plots, even though they're very separate things, because there's what's going on in the ship with the Borg taking over, which is the horror movie element. And then there's what's on the ground on Earth, which is the inspirational, you know, we've got to help this guy because this is a big moment of humanity. And... They're very different tonally. Mm-hmm. They're completely different. I mean, you've got you've got uh, Picard Picard up on the in in the holodeck, you know, with his Dixon Hill program, yeah. right? So he can get a gun. So he's shooting the Borg, right? And he's just coldly mowing them down until he sees that one of them. He sees the the insignia or whatever. He sees the part of the uniform that one of them was one of his crew, that he lost another crew member to this villain, this nemesis of his, that he can't fucking stop ever, mm-hmm. that keeps beating him, right? And then that's when he starts, Rah! when he starts screaming and everything, and then like goes to hit him because it's all this anger and shit like that. It's a brilliant performance, and it's really well written, how he's just like coldly mowing them down till he notices it. And we don't even notice it right away. And then she points it out afterwards. She's like, hey, this is one of your crew because she sees the uniform and everything. But he's doing it to get uh, their little central processor or whatever so he can see what their plans are. Right. So he has a plan. But there's that going on up there, right? And there's that gritty, like, just horror movie. like It's almost like body horror in some oh, yeah. tone, right? And then on the ground... You've got uh, fucking Jordy being like, yeah, your statue is going to be right over here, sir. <laughs> and I went to your high school and like and all this stuff. Right. And they're totally different tones. Yeah. But they work together. You know why, though? Because Star Trek has different tones. I mean, it's always been that way where mm-hmm. there's some you know drama and some comedy together. So. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's almost amazing how it how it like they fit. Yeah. They shouldn't fit, but they do. <laughs> and it's it's really good. Uh, but yeah, so I like I I like both of the plots. What what's what's your favorite of the things that are going on? I don't know about favorite, but just what stuck with me, I think the most was the stuff with Data. Mm-hmm. Like she was grafting human skin onto him. I don't I kind of just don't get it. <laughs> she wants to make him more human. But and having that, they they kind of foreshadow that because they see the Phoenix, which is the name of the ship that James Cromwell's Zephyrin Cochran is going to break the warp barrier with, and Picard touches it, and Data's like confused, and he goes, he goes, it's a, you know boyhood dream, and he's like, does your touching it make it different? Like make it feel different? He's like, oh yeah, he's like, you know, uh, for human beings experiencing something by touch can make it more real. It can, you know, it can add to the experience and things like that. And data tries it. And it's just like, he coldly goes down all the imperfections, and the, the metal and everything. And he doesn't, he's like, it doesn't, he doesn't get it. Right. And then he gets skin grafted onto him and she blows on it and he gets goosebumps and he can feel, he can actually feel physical sensations and it's a totally new experience for him. What I meant when I said I don't get it is I don't understand how that would be possible because he's oh. a machine without a central nervous system. 
So just grafting skin on, I don't really understand how that would work. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I like there, Star Trek has a history of just being like, oh, whatever, you know, like like we'll throw some technical words at it and no one will no one will question it. Kind of thing cuz like they're caught in a temporal wake. They they fight they fight the Borg. They destroy the Borg at the beginning. They destroy the cube, which I like because it's like <clears throat> it's better when the Borg's not some like indestructible uh like thing Mm -hmm. like very hard to beat but not impossible and they do eventually there's they're wearing it down simply by attrition essentially but when they blow it up it shoots that little uh ball to go back in time and kill zephram cochran or whatever terminator style Mm -hmm. um so that uh, because it's a sore loser basically (laughs) but they you know it's it's starts to go back in time and the the Enterprise gets caught in a temporal wake, and they can see Earth change, so they know what the stakes are. Earth is going to be completely assimilated by the Borg and everything if they don't stop it. But yet, they're still there. They haven't changed because they're caught in the temporal wake. And mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, you're either caught in the temporal wake and you're going back in time and you can't see that shit, or you can see that shit and you're being erased from history. I feel like both things can't be true. It's just weird. I guess that's true. But I, it's like that's that's one of those things where it's just like, oh, we can just do it because it's magic. Suspension of disbelief. Right. Yeah. But she, I guess it would be tempting for him kind of because he wants to be human so badly. But like, again, I mean, I know with Data, it's like he's basically been made human throughout the show, but he shouldn't want anything. It It just bothers me. You know what bothers me? His emotion chip. Uh-huh. At the at, when he first gets it, it gets like fused into his like neural net, and it has to be like surgically removed because it's overloading his sensors or something like that. And then it's like a remove, like to turn it off. It's like it has to be. It's like a almost like a diskette. It's got to be like removed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now he just like clicks his uh, his eye and turns it on and off. In the next Star Trek movie, it's going to be a colony spray sun. <laughs> like what? <the> right. Fuck? <laughs> well, I mean, I would I would imagine it would get better throughout the years, though. Yeah, I, I suppose. But uh, anyway, so what is there anything you didn't like about this movie? Anything that you found objectionable? No, <laughs> I'm trying to think, and like, not really. I I enjoyed the whole thing, and yeah. it. I mean, there was a. I'm sorry. What? No, go ahead. There was like a lot of good humor going on, like with Deanna get drinking alcohol and she had no idea, right. which that makes no sense to me either. Though they have alcohol on the ship, so Sip like I all. had, I had to drink a thing called tequila. They have something all. <laughs> oh, that's another geeky thing that I know. They they don't have actual alcohol. It's called synthanol. Does it make you drunk? It can. You can get it to where it makes you drunk, yes. So they can get drunk, but it's different. It tastes different. It's not as strong. It's like, huh. you know, it's just a completely different thing. Well, that would be disappointing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, so, like, because one time uh, Bones gets Kirk Romulan Ale, and he's like, ooh, Romulan Ale. You know, it's like illegal or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the teetotalers in uh, the future, I don't know. <laughs> but... Yeah, I liked pretty much all of it, too. Like I said, I liked... Both plots work together really well. I, I like uh, 
Picard's got this big speech. First of all, finally they get a movie that's theirs. Because in Star Trek Generations, which I did not like, uh, they which I think we did, mm, but I, I, didn't think re- so. I didn't really like that movie. But um, it's it's like it's like a passing of the baton or whatever. Right, you know, Kirk's in it and stuff like that, and gets uh, you know buried under like. A, <laughs> I don't know, uh, four or five rocks so that uh, the coyotes will, you know, be held off for about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, it's it's not like they don't get to shine. The Next Generation crew doesn't get to shine. And it's their first movie, right? This is the first movie that the it's actually just their movie. Um, but Picard's got this speech, you know, which is really good. I mean, he's obviously, oh, yeah. obviously Patrick Stewart's like a classically trained Shakespearean actor and everything. So he's, he's good at it. But he does the whole, like, um, you know, we... So he he gets pissed off at Lily, and he's like, no! And he, like, he goes to break the... He breaks the glass and everything, and he, he breaks his ship, the Stargazer, mm-hmm. his first ship, the one that, that he lost, and I think, like, means a lot to him emotionally. And... You know, he he gives this speech of like, you know, oh, they invade our territory and we we fall back. They assimilate worlds and we fall back. You know, like mm-hmm. he just talks about all these things. He's like, no, you know, like he goes, he goes, the line must be drawn here. <laughs> I can't do it like he does it because it's, it's very earnest and it's good. But you know, he's he's like he makes this big argument, and in the end, she's just like, no. You're all gonna die then, because you're fucking, you know, Captain Ahab or whatever. Right. You know what this? You know what this is? Huh. This just occurred to me. Do you what? know what this is? What? This is Wrath of Khan. Okay. So, in Wrath of Khan, Kurt Kirk means meets. <laughs> that's the that's the uh, '90s version, Kirk. <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm Captain Kirk. Uh, no, Kirk, 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 Captain Kirk <laughs> meets. Khan, uh-huh. Khan, his big nemesis, or whatever, right. right? He becomes a big nemesis to him, and that's like there's a lot of Moby Dick, okay. But the other way around, Khan is obsessed with Kirk, right? Because he stranded him, right? Uh that this is that, yeah. Except it's Picard and the Borg, okay. So it's a that. lot like it's yeah. I, I, I see that. And it's good. It's good like uh, Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan is probably the best of those movies. This is a very good, very good film. Yeah. I so, really liked it. I would recommend it. I'd yeah. recommend you go see it. It's uh, it's definitely worth a watch. I think there's a lot going on here, and all of it's good. Watch it in the theater. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Don't wait for it to come to Blockbuster. Go see it in the theater. And come see us. At what? your local mall, where we'll be <laughs> we'll be doing live performances of our show at your oh, local mall. Okay, we should do that. We should go to like the Oakland Mall and do. Oh, I thought you meant do like a tour. Do a live show. Do a tour of the Oakland Mall. <laughs> no, you show us around the Oakland Mall. Place. A tour of all the malls. Oh, okay. Yeah, we could do that. Could Oakland Mall, Lakeside Mall, the other malls. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. Um, you guys can go ahead and write us at latefee1994daywell.com. Summer's at Mall just opened. <laughs> Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Mm-hmm. 
and share the tapes with your friends. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.